Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Movie Dicks Podcast. I am Gabriel Chavez. I'm Paul Schendel. Right at the top of the podcast, before we get started, Paul Schendel is now a father. He has officially oh, been a father shit. for four days, which is yeah, fucking exciting. It's a long time, long, long time. <laughs> let me tell you, let me tell you. But since we planted that seed, so to speak, back during a racer head, this is uh, <laughs> definitely a great follow-up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Anyway, today we Shawshank so, our by way. By the way, by the way, it's nothing like a racer head so far. <laughs> Good. Except the like noises in the night that keep you awake. That <laughs> that's true. Yeah. But no vomit volcano or whatever that was. No, and I haven't seen any like weird sperms on the floor. <laughs> like I haven't found those either. So. <laughs> Good. Good. Well, that's good. It means you're not going crazy. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, today we Shawshank our way down the Amazon River as we escape the thick, thrashing, virile snake that is 1997's Anaconda. But first, this is a comedy podcast. If you've not seen the movie we are about to shit on and you want to avoid spoilers, stop now. But if you don't care about spoilers or want to laugh and learn why this movie sucks so bad, grab that crossbow with ketamine arrows. We got some motherfucking snakes on this motherfucking boat. Shit, wrong God movie. Damn Sorry, wrong you movie. stole my line. I was going to totally do that. <laughs> <laughs> Without further ado, let's hand it over to Pablo Francisco. <clears throat> A National Geographic film crew is taken hostage by an insane hunter who forces them along on his quest to capture the world's largest and deadliest snake. <laughs> I mean, okay, so that's that's an okay tagline, but this is definitely the world's largest, but world's deadliest? Like, come on, man. There's places in Australia that have shit that's, like, way worse than this. <laughs> what, is the, what is the deadly snake in uh, Australia? I forget what it's called. They don't just have the black mamba, right? No, that's black mamba is, like, African, I think. Right, right, right. I knew that, but I, I don't know what the big deadly snake is down there. They have sneet, uh, sea snakes, like coral snakes, I think. I don't know. But those are in the water. Stay away oh. from the water. I mean, you want to stay yeah. away from the water oh, anyway God. because they yeah. got those blue ring octopus that can fucking kill you too. Yeah, the box jellyfish, man. Have you seen those? <laughs> yeah. They're like these tiny <laughs> little things. They're like a centimeter on the side, but if you get stung by one, you'll be in pain for days. And if you get right. stung by like... Uh, the eastern brown snake. There you go. Brown snakes. Yep. All right. You'll die if you go to Australia. Just, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Australia <laughs> has like eight of the ten most poisonous snakes in the world. And they also have like eight of the ten most poisonous spiders. And I'm like, yeah, no, that I'm good. Like, I don't need to go anywhere near that place. And then there was that like fucking drought, dude, where like it had that huge rainstorm after that big drought. And it just flooded this entire town with like the eggs of fucking spiders and it became like the mist. I don't know if you saw those pictures. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I was like, what yeah. the fuck? No, man, what yeah. the fuck? They have like these weird pestilent storms of swarms of rats and rabbits and mice, and spiders. <laughs> Just fuck that place, man. God, I don't dude, live in dude. Australia. 
the fucking goddamn like whole goddamn country lit on fire at the beginning of last year. That was some fucked up shit too. Like goddamn Australia. Anyway, going back to this movie. This this is a Columbia TriStar release in association with Cinema Line Film Group, Iguana Productions. Middle Fork Productions, Skylight Cinema Photo Art, and St. Tropez Films. We previously looked at Columbia with five other episodes thus far. They are our most inadvertently focused on studio. They gave us films for our episodes on Step Brothers, Hollow Man, Geely, The Tourist, and Bad Boys for Life. <laughs> Remember that because I am never going to talk about what Columbia Pictures does correctly as they clearly are fucking up given <coughs> how many terrible movies we've focused on thus far. <coughs> You right there? You want to share yeah. any of what came <clears throat> up on your fucking shirt there? Oh, yeah. It's, uh, that's baby spit up, they call it. <laughs> Apparently, their, like, stomachs are filled with ambionic fluid when they were right. first born, and they, like, keep vomiting that up for a couple <laughs> days after they're born. And ah. it's, like, this brown mucus shit. Ah! <laughs> Just so you God know. <laughs> You're really, yeah. you're really selling having kids to me right now, Paul. Thank you. <laughs> All the joys. <laughs> anyway, Cinema Line Film Corp and St. Tropez Films have only done this movie, so I'm skipping them. Iguana Productions has done 264 titles over the years, beginning with some movie called 800 Leagues Down the Amazon from 1993, mm. and most recently with a TV show in 2010 called El Dorado. So since they haven't done anything in 11 years, I'm going to say that they're bankrupt. Most of their titles are in Spanish or filmed in Brazil or Colombia, so I would say that they were a South American production company. Their highest rated movie they have made is the 1993 Tom Berenger action flick Sniper with a 6.2 out of 10 on IMDb. <laughs> From there, it's all downhill, oh, man. man. Wow, they did the Sniper is their high point? <laughs> Shit. <laughs> yeah. They did The Specialist with Sly Stallone, some movie called Watchers 3 with Wings Hauser, and a shitload of episodes of a show called Maria Rosa. Oh, by the way, Paul, have you seen uh, The History of Swearing on Netflix? This is a little side oh, yeah, note. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That that's, that's the reference. The yeah. she. Isaiah, I was so glad when I saw that, like, the shit episode at Isaiah Whitlock Jr. I was like, you cannot not talk to Isaiah Whitlock Jr. about the word shit. Like, he, busted, he fucking reinvented that word. <laughs> Anyway, so Middle Fork Productions has done seven movies over the years, including the 2004 Anaconda sequel called Anaconda, The Hunt for the Blood Orchid, Reefer Madness, the movie musical from 2005, <laughs> the, which I have not seen. That sounds kind of entertaining. I don't know. I'm to check that out. <laughs> Gotta check it out, yeah. The Canyon with the underrated actor Aeon Bailey and some movie called Vacuum starring Chevy Chase, which I don't give a fuck about Chevy Chase. If you don't <laughs> understand why I'm saying that, read about how Chevy Chase is a racist, <coughs> sexist piece of shit and then tell me that you can watch any of his movies again. It fucks up the whole goddamn enterprise and it's a shame. Uh, anyway, Skylight, dude, my favorite fucking clap back at Chevy Chase was that Chevy Chase and uh, Bill Murray hated each other when they were on uh, Saturday Night Live, right? And 
there's this story that like they used to get in fights all the time and then one day Bill Murray had enough of his shit and they were backstage and Chevy was trying to go after fucking Bill Murray for some reason and che- or Bill just turned around and he just looked at Chevy and he says half funny <laughs> and that's it and he walked away and I was like god damn <laughs> anyway so Skylight Cinema Photo Art has done 17 titles, all of which I have never seen other than Anaconda, and I frankly never heard or gave a shit about as the one with the second highest number of votes cast is a movie called Amazon from 1990 with 420 votes. Wow, I don't give a really shit about like anything. These, like Brazilian-themed... Yeah, I mean, movies. these are all South American production companies. Oh, I, don't, I don't know exactly. They should, you, you should watch Fitzcarraldo. The, oh, the man. Herzog, That's a classic, like, yeah. Fucking classic. boat boat movie if you yeah where six people died making that movie <laughs> exactly boat in the amazon yeah that's that's your movie right there that's Watch the movie that yeah that was the that was sort of like a more direct adaptation of heart of darkness too which is kind of interesting the yeah, uh the joseph than, camp uh, apocalypse yeah, now yeah more than apocalypse now yeah yeah that. <laughs> anyway so Seven Nat Geo wannabes produced this movie. Two of them are dead, and literally all the others have done three or less movies, except a guy named Bo Marks. Bo is our most prolific from the bunch. He's produced 11 movies, Paul. What a prolific guy out of all these fucking people. Uh, He did, however, start out with some pretty classic ones, even if a few of them suck. His first movie that he ever produced was Predator. That in itself is awesome, just saying. He's got my vote. Then he went on to produce Die Hard, the first one. Again, totally awesome. Then he produced the unbelievably misguided Medicine Man, starring episode 30 Zardo's alum, Sean Connery, and then completely shit the bed in 1995 with the Sylvester Stallone movie called Judge Dredd. Yeah, right. What a way to fuck Why'd with your career. Why'd you have to <laughs> he did the 2011 remake of Sam Peckinpah's classic and controversial movie Straw Dogs. And lastly, he produced Son of the Mask in 2006, a.k.a. the 10th worst movie of all time on IMDb with Super wow. Mario Brothers alum Bob Hoskins. So, yes, Adding that, that means... to the list. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> So yeah, dude. God damn it! I don't want to see. Have you seen the trailer for Son of the Mask? No, dude? I haven't. I Watch haven't, the trailer and then tell existed. me if you can fucking sit through that, man. <laughs> I don't know if I can sit through that after seeing the trailer. But anyway, so yes, that means that you can judge the shit out of Bo. This movie stars Gigli alum Jennifer Lopez, Ice Cube, John Voight, Eric Stoltz, and Owen Wilson. Oh, and the uh, legendary Danny Trejo, but that's a whole other story. Oh, for like 30 seconds. Two seconds. <laughs> <laughs> Danny, I'll get him out of the way right away. He's been in a fuck ton, a lot of it shit, but given the man has had 396 acting God credits, dang. that's the most I've ever seen, dude. I've <laughs> never seen anybody with that many acting credits on IMDb. What and it, what, does he work in like Mexican soap operas or something? Like no, that? dude, so you got it. You got to look at his fucking IMDb. It's insane. Like a lot of the <laughs> shit is like straight to video, but I'm like, they're all $5 million or more movies. They're not, or TV shows or whatever. They're not tiny projects. You know, he does huh. do a lot of shorts. Don't get me wrong. 
but I'm like a majority of his work is like low budget features. And I'm like, fuck man, 396. <laughs> God damn. But he, he's been in 396 acting credits on IMDb and he is a Paisano of mine as well as having been in the absolute crime classic that is Heat and owns a taco shop and a donut shop in LA that are both pretty good. <laughs> I'll never talk shit about this man. I don't care if he's been in some bad movies over the years. I don't care. He's a Paisan, and I'll never talk sh shit about a Paisan. Anyway, the rest of the cast, however, I can shit on all fucking day. How's he a Paisan? I mean, isn't he's he Mexican, Mexican, bro? Isn't Paisan like an Italian term? Yes and no. Like Paisano is also a word that like uh, Latinos use in order to describe yeah. like fellow countrymen. It it is an Italian well, word, though. All right, fine. I'm I'm white, so obviously <laughs> it doesn't apply to me, and it's like your secret gang code words or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Paul wishes to issue an Andrew Jackson retraction. <laughs> I do retract all my previous statements. Yeah, I apologize to everyone. J-Lo we covered in episode 14 for Gili, but that's all you need to know. She starred in Gili, so I'm not going to go into anything else. Ice Cube, on the other hand, has been in oh, 79 yeah. acting projects, 47 of which are movies. He's unforgettable in John Singleton's unforgivingly honest Boys in the Hood. He's hilarious in Friday, which he wrote. He's fucking fantastic in 21 and 22 Jump Street is the dick clicks angry black captain. And I fucking love him in that movie, dude. Hey, hey, stop fucking with Korean Jesus. He's got Korean problems. He's got Korean problems. Uh, and he is fucking phenomenal in David O. Russell's Three Kings, which I will never stop talking about. Ever. Yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, fucking fantastic in that movie, dude. Oh, god damn, I love that movie, dude. Every time I fucking yeah. see that movie, I'm just like, god damn it, I love this fucking movie, man. Like, it's a classic. But the other movie I can give him is Barbershop. But the rest of his movies mostly suck. From the goddamn disaster that is Torque to his family-friendly comedies, Are We Done Yet? Are We There Yet? <laughs> the Long Shots and The Book of Life, Ice Cube proves he knows how to pick some shit. <laughs> side note, side note, how did the guy who helped start NWA and become legendarily infamous for their fuck the police end up in family movies? I'm just curious. Seriously, how did that happen? <laughs> How did that happen? Uh, I think he got married and had kids and was like, you know, this whole gangster rap thing. It's a bit overrated. I'm going to go with the family comedy route. Maybe. Like so many other rappers before me. Right. No doubt. Take the paycheck. Well, Take the paycheck. to be fair, though, I think that he was one of the first. Like, other than Ice-T, like, nobody else no. was doing this during this time period. Yeah. No, it's true. Yeah, he started the whole, like, rapper to actor kind actor of thing. Actor thing. Yeah. I feel like, yeah, I feel like that's and this, correct. This movie, Anaconda, is a prime example of <laughs> the quality work that that, mm -hmm. can, that can, yeah. It's, it's really that the lesson is anyone can act. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it takes nothing. You just have to know people and be rich. It's cool. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. Well, not not anybody can act, Paul. Anybody that has the means to do so can act. 
He also stars in the bizarre Triple X State of the Union when Vin Diesel was unavailable as well as the Triple X <laughs> The Return of Xander Cage when Vin Diesel was available. <laughs> he was in Dangerous Ground with former star Elizabeth Hurley, perhaps John Carpenter's worst movie ever called Ghosts of Mars, Friday After Next, Next Friday, All About the Benjamins, Ride Along 1 and 2 with the dickhead who is going to fuck up planes, trains, and automobiles as well as The Great Outdoors, Kevin Hart, and Fist Fight, which, while being a dumb as shit movie, is pretty funny, and Ice Cube and Charlie Day actually have pretty fun chemistry in it, which is why I like that movie, even though it's got like a shit <laughs> Metacritic rating. John Voight, in addition to being the tourist alum Angelina Jolie's dad, has been in 97 movies over the years. From the 1970 X-rated Best Picture winner Midnight Cowboy to Deliverance from Zardoz alum John Borman, my all-time favorite crime movie Heat, Coming Home with Jane Fonda, which she got nude in wait, for the first wait, time. Wait, 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 what? <laughs> what? What is he doing Heat? Dude, he's the guy that sets up the whole goddamn deal. He's the fucking. Uh, he's got he's long hair. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, all right. No, no, no. Right, he's not the radio guy. That's Tom. Oh, Newton. yeah, yeah. He's sorry, the go-between yeah. that sells the bonds back to fucking uh, what's his name? That's right. William okay. Fickner. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. He sets up the jobs. He's fucking great in that movie yeah. too. Okay, and he and then he tells Robert De Niro where uh, Van what's his nuts is. Where? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, fuck. What's his name? Wayne Grow, where Wayne Grow is. Yeah. Wayne Grow, yeah, okay, fine. You know, Wayne Grow, everybody in Heat is based on real criminals, but like the the guy that Wayne Grow is based on, he double-crossed the wrong people that they still don't know who he double-crossed, but he ended up in New Mexico crucified to the side of a barn. That's what happened to Wayne Grow in real life. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> yeah, it's it fucked badass. up, dude. Brutal, yeah. man, brutal. I only learned that because on the Heat, uh, audio commentary with Michael oh, Mann. Michael Mann is like insanely detailed. Number one, but yeah. like he he talks about the history of each one of these characters. And when he when he talks about Wayne Grow, like ending up crucified on a barn in Las Cruces, uh, he just says it so casually. And I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa! <laughs> like people end up dead all the time from double crossing the wrong people, but like to be crucified, like that's that's something, you know. <laughs> Anyway, yeah, he was in Coming Home with Jane Fonda, which she got nude in for the first time. The excellent Brendan Gleeson vehicle, The General, which is fantastic. The decent lawyer flick, The Rainmaker. Enemy of the State with Bad Boys alum, Big Willie. The excellent movie, Rosewood, which everyone should fucking see. I won't stop saying it. It is timely beyond belief. Mission Impossible, Catch-22. Tropic Thunder as himself at the Oscars <laughs> at the end, which is great. Ali, again with Big Willie. U-Turn, The Manchurian Candidate with Denzel, Pride and Glory, the list goes on and on with this man. However, he was also in Super Babies 2, Baby Geniuses 2, a.k.a. the second worst movie of all time on IMDb. He was also in Bratz, a.k.a. the 51st worst oh, movie God. of all time on IMDb. In American Carol, Getaway, Laura Croft, Tomb Raider with his daughter Angelina, Pearl Harbor from Six Underground alum Michael Bay, side note, fuck you Michael Bay, you're a piece of shit, and some movie called Dracula, The, the Dark Prince from 2013 with its 3.8 out of 10 on IMDb. Oh. Sounds like you burped directly in my ear.
That's good. So look, I know we have all done things that we aren't proud of, but God damn it, John. God damn, dude. Like, just fucking watch the trailer for Baby Geniuses 2 and tell me that John's work, even in the trailer, isn't some of the most abhorrent shit that you've ever seen in your life. It's fucking disgusting. It's just terrible. But anyway, so this leads us to the shithead known as Eric Stoltz, okay? Eric Stoltz is mostly a useless actor. He's been in 125 acting roles over the years, and his work as Lance in Pulp Fiction is some of the all-time funniest and best work ever. His work has to be contextualized with the phrase, though, what might have been? What might have been if he actually finished filming Back to the Future before Robert Zemeckis hated him and wanted Michael J. Fox? What if Mask wasn't so goddamn manipulative? What if the butterfly effect hadn't sucked? What if, what if, what if? He has been in some good shit, though, over the years. He's funny in Jerry Maguire, Little Women, Say Anything, Fast Times at Ridgemont High with the Air I Breathe alum, Forrest Whitaker, Rob Roy, and Kicking and Screaming. But Killing Zoe, The Prophecy, The Butterfly Effect, The Honeymooners, Larry Gay, Renegade Male Flight Attendant with Fifty Shades of Grey alum, Marsha Gay Harden, The Fly 2... Lionheart and a murder of crows is just too goddamn much, sir. (laughs) Rounding out the cast is Owen Wilson. Like Chris Hemsworth or Alec Baldwin, Owen is the most successful out of his brothers, even though he lacks talent. Sure, he's been in some funny and fun movies over the years, and I can't begrudge any of his work with Wes Anderson, but I can sure as shit raise issue with The Cable Guy, Armageddon, Shanghai Noon, Meet the Parents, <laughs> Zoolander, which I unequivocally hate, Behind Enemy Lines. Uh, come on, Zoolander. <laughs> Blue Magnum. Yeah. Yes, yes, I'm sorry. But he was also in <laughs> Behind Enemy Lines, a.k.a. Owen Wilson Tries to Be a War Hero, I Spy, Shanghai Nights, The Big Bounce, Starsky and Hutch, Around the World in 80 Days with Jingle All the Way alum, Arnold. Meet the Fockers, Wedding crash, wedding Crashers, which he max on my second wife, Johnny Mnemonic, shit, I mean, <laughs> the Val alum, Rachel McAdams, Drillbit Taylor, Night at the Museum 2, ah, fuck it. Other than Wes Anderson's movies, I don't like anything that Owen has been in. There, I said it. Even though I like Inherent Vice and P.T. Anderson, his contribution to the film was useless. Even the I'm rather say great Shanghai Noon is fun. Oh God. God, Jesus Christ! Okay, so anything else? <laughs> any, anything else other than Wes Anderson's movies and Shanghai Noon? Can you give me anything else that you like from him? Yeah, I mean, Wedding Crashers and uh, Zoolander—they're fun. I don't give a fuck. But... <laughs> uh, even the rather great family film Wonder—he is completely miscast and makes the movie come off as lackluster. He's the weakest link in the movie, and his nose looks more like a dick as the years are decidedly not kind to him. The This hunk of weeks-long constipated snake shit was written by Hans Bauer, Jim Cash, and Jack Epps Jr., who has no relation to Mike Epps, if you are curious. Hans made his, his screenwriting debut with Anaconda and wrote the sequel Blood Orchid, we mentioned earlier, as well as the story to the terrible Fox animation flick Titan A.E. and the perverse but stupid vigilante Richard Gere movie The Flock. 
Jim Cash has a much bigger mm. career, having written the script for Top Gun, Turner and Hooch with Tom Hanks. Oh shit! And, and the dog. Dick and Dick Tracy with Gili alum Al Pacino, which Al actually got an Oscar nomination for his performance in. If you forgot, but what? it was yeah, Dick dude, wow. best supporting actor Al Pacino for Dick that. Tracy. Huh. But it was with Anaconda that his career really turned around. To head straight into the shitter with the Flintstones and Viva <laughs> oh, Rock Vegas oh, oh. before his death, just three weeks before oh, it was set to premiere. It's a, it's a good thing that he didn't see the premiere, though, given that it's the 84th worst movie of all time on IMDb, has a 37 on Metacritic and a 25% on RottenTomatoes.com. Oh, Gabe, you just stick the knife in and twist it. Oh, dude. I mean, come on. (laughs) To end your career on that? Goddamn. Lastly, lastly for the writers is Jack Epps Jr., who wrote all the same movies Jim Cash did. This dried-out husk of a movie was directed by Luis Luis Yosa, a Peruvian director who made this crime zone with autoerotic asphyxiation master (laughs) David Carradine, (laughs) sniper with Tom (laughs) Berger, The Specialist with Stallone and Sharon Stone, and some movie called Feast of the Goat with the great Isabella Rossellini. He hasn't directed since 2005, so maybe he listened to Better Reason and gave it up. I fucking hope so, at least. (laughs) This movie was released on April 11th, 1997 in 2,456 theaters and was produced on a budget of $45 million, which in today's money would be almost $75 million. This movie opened in the number one spot that weekend with a $16.6 million gross. Below it was the Jim Carrey Liar Liar in its fourth week. The Island of Dr. Moreau stars Val Kilmer's terrible effort called The Saint in its second week. The John Cusack hitman comedy classic Gross Point Blank, which comes up far too often on this podcast (laughs) in its first week. And rounding out the top five that week was the Harrison Ford Brad Pitt vehicle, The Devil's Own, in its third week. Also out this same week was the Tim Allen Embarrassment, Jungle to Jungle 2, or I'm sorry, Jungle to Jungle, <laughs> the Van Damme Dennis Rodman Trash Fest oh, called Double Team. Double. Oh, wait. Was it Double Team or Double Impact? <laughs> no, it was called Double Team. Oh, all right. Shame. Should have called it Double Trouble. <laughs> <laughs> Selena was also out this week, also with J-Lo starring the original Scream, the 1997 special edition of Return of the Jedi, which Lucas took an absolute dump on, as well as Best Picture winner, The English Patient, which I do not like, the Billy Bob Thornton classic Sling Blade, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. French fried potatoes, (laughs) and Chasing Amy, a.k.a. the first movie Ben Affleck co-starred in, which his amazing white man dick was able to convert a lesbian. Side note, (laughs) fuck you, Kevin Smith. Over its 265 days in theaters, Anaconda would go on to swell up $65.885 million domestically and $71.4 million worldwide, bringing its overall to $136.998 million, or in today's cash, $225.107 million, a pretty decent return on a $100 million outlay in today's dollars. This makes Anaconda the 1,334th all-time international box office holder behind French-Belgian film A Turtle's Tale, Sammy's Adventures, (laughs) but 
But ahead of director Ron Opie Howard's entertaining and stylish 2013 racing movie Rush with the only successful Hemsworth starring. This week, apologies have to be rendered as I do not have international box office numbers to report on which country avoided this movie the most. What I can tell you is the country that responds the least to JLo's work is Ethiopia with an average gross of $2,973. We went over in Ethiopia in our episode 33 podcast for Step Brothers, and just like that episode, I need to put a disclaimer here. It is very, very very fucking difficult to find Ethiopian box office results for movies, especially during 1997. So if you're unhappy with my following statistical analysis, I encourage you to do your own fucking research <laughs> and see if you come up with better numbers than I can for top grossing movies in Ethiopia. That also goes for my estimated asses and seats as it is fucking impossible to find the cost of a movie ticket in Ethiopia in 1997. But again, if you have a better resource or you know better, please help me out as these next numbers took me literal hours to, of research to find. That being said, <laughs> the highest grossing movie of all time. In, <laughs> wait, wait. Is there something else you could do to like fill this space that doesn't take like four hours just to find like one tidbit of information? <laughs> <laughs> I, don't know. I don't know. I like I like the tidbit information about yeah, tickets. No, sure, and movies. Sure. It's fun. It's fun. No, it's damn, just it's a lot of if, work. If I, I can't find movie ticket prices in 1997 in Ethiopia, so what I have to do is find when I can actually find one, which is 2017, and I literally have to take inflation indexes into account and back calculate according to inflation, how much that <laughs> ticket should have costed in 1997. So it takes a while. It takes a fucking while. There's a lot of math involved. But <laughs> that being said, the highest grossing movie of all time in Ethiopia, near as I can tell, is Defret, a 2014 Ethiopian biopic about Harut, a 14-year-old girl who shot her would-be husband as he and others were practicing one of the nation's oldest traditions, abduction into marriage. Anyway, <laughs> Defret grossed a massive $91,841 at the box office in Ethiopia at an average cost of, near as I can tell, 161.42 burr per ticket in 1997, or an astronomical $23.52 American in 1997. That brings total estimated Ethiopian asses and seats to 126.40 people could wow. have seen this movie opening weekend <laughs> in Ethiopia right, in 1997. By, by, by the way, I've been I've been going on a single origin, like perfect coffee, coffee bean, yeah, pot, coffee bean, like kind of kick. And Ethiopia is right up there, man. They make some yeah. really good coffees. So check them out if you can find them. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm not I'm not a big coffee drinker, as you know. But like I, I like tea more than I like coffee. But I, I do, I do know that Ethiopian beans are pretty goddamn good. The ones that I've had from Ethiopia are pretty slick. So, yeah. With a yeah. population of 16.7 million people in 1997, that means that 2.08 10 millionths of Ethiopians pop Ethiopia's population would have turned up to see J Lo in 1997. Anaconda has a floating baby Ruth shit turd of a 4.8 out of 10 on IMDb, a 37 on Metacritic, and a splatty 38% critic score on RottenTomatoes.com with an even lower 24% audience score. 
This Metacritic rating places it in the same league as our episode 32, The Air I Breathe, episode 24, Speed Racer, and episode 7, The Tourist. Not great movies to rub shoulders with. This movie ranks highest amongst females aged less than 18. Is that the Ice Cube factor? I'm not sure how this came in. With a staggeringly high 8.5 out of 10. Into John Voight. You know, that's it. Yeah. Daddy. Oh, God damn. Holy (laughs) shit. That's some stepfather shit if I've ever seen it. (laughs) But it also ranks lowest amongst females aged 30 to 44 with a 4.6 out of 10. This week, my liver is being squeezed out of my anus as I strain to comprehend the 3.3% out of, of the votes. 3,235 people who voted this as the best movie ever made, 10 out of 10 on IMDb. My vote stands with the 5,787 others, or 6% of the vote, who voted this movie a perfect 1 out of 10 on IMDb. <laughs> I know I'm kind of unforgiving on these, that I keep giving these movies 1s, but I fucking hate this movie, dude. I fucking hate Anaconda. It's a classic. <laughs> my, my favorite reviews this week begin with Michael DeKenya of TheMovieReport.com. Michael squeezes out, quote, can best be summed up by a line delivered midway by Lopez without the slightest bit of irony. This film was supposed to be my big break, and now it's turned into a disaster. End quote. <laughs> Original score, zero out of four oh, stars. Man, yeah. they, they, left that, they left that open. Left that uh, wide open, yeah, man. Holy <laughs> shit. Mark Savlov of the Austin Chronicle shade, or sheds with, quote, Charmless, unfrightening, and even devoid of the requisite gratuitous nudity, nudity <laughs> Anaconda just plain bites. Original score, one out of five stars. Derek Adams of Time Out closes out the reviews this week as he slithers with, quote, One never questions the realism of the remarkable animatronic and computer-generated effects, but it's hard to credit a snake that screams, end quote. Original score, zero out of five stars. I disagree there on the computer-generated effects, but I'll get to that. <laughs> Lastly, Anaconda is rated PG-13 for intense adventure violence and for brief language and sensuality. So, Paul, it's May 15th, 2019, our first recent oh. history pitch as we stand in the Citizens Bank Park in the cheesesteak capital of the world, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, mm-hmm. for a night game against the Milwaukee Someone Brewers. Someone in Philadelphia, can you, like, FedEx me a cheesesteak? I really <laughs> want one right now. Sounds Dude, you know, Philadelphia is only two hours from me, man. I can head down to Philadelphia and bring you my favorite cheesesteak and send it out to you. Just got to freeze that shit on, like, dry ice or something so the bread doesn't dry out. Half the part of the cheesesteak, though, is the bread because, like, the bread – in Philadelphia is delicious and like you can taste the difference in the rolls that people use all across the country there's something about the Philadelphia cheesesteak roll that's like prime shit man that's half the reason why the fucking sandwich is so good anyway but consider that man Philadelphia cheesesteak against the Milwaukee Brewers you could have a beer a cheesesteak it's 2015 Mm -hmm. only fuck or I'm sorry not 2015 2019 this is only two years ago this three-hour and 20-minute game would yield a win on home turf, Paul, but I want to talk about how 28,129 fans reacted to the ceremonial pitch of that night. You see, Paul, 
a 64-year-old is about to throw out the first pitch in front of the fans. As It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia is documented time and time again, Phillies hammer on people that when they're drunk, happy, sad, going to the store, and basically just existing. They love to hammer on people. It's with this spirit of brotherly love that they were so infamous for that they killed the AI hitchhiking robot in August 2015, and they certainly lived <laughs> up to the reputation when the last six foot or when the six foot tall, 770-pound lefty who was born in I have no idea how to say this, so I'm just going to try to get through it. Idar Obenstein, West Germany, stepped up to the mound that day. On the mound stands a man who needs no introduction and whose fame has generated over $2.5 billion in revenue. Bruce Willis stands on the mound, ready to throw out the first pitch of the game. But Bruce, while it could be that he was 64 at the time or it was because he isn't a pro baseball player, didn't seem to give a shit when throwing out the ball. He barely lobbed it, and it bounced off the ground without ever making it into the catcher's mitt. I mean, shit, he he wasn't even on the goddamn mound proper, bro. He was 10 feet ahead of it to throw a mere 50 feet to home base. His pitch ended up five feet before the catcher. He didn't even make it 45 feet. As Bruce throws up his hands to energize the crowd, he is met with a reaction he didn't expect. Resounding booing. <laughs> you see, Paul, when you phone it in, and do the most basic fucking thing you possibly can. <laughs> Generally, people react negatively to that. And this is no exception. I have no doubt Phillies fans hammered the shit out of each other, cars in the parking lot, their homes, their wives, their kids, or any number of things. But beating the Christ out of each other doesn't undo the damage done by Bruce Willis. We flash back in time as you stand on the mound. yippee Kaye, motherfucker, you think as you wind up and you pitch this motherfucker to me, Paul. All right, I've got the fucking idea of the decade right here. Along with movies like Them and Jaws, we're going to create the next giant animal killing monster machine Nice, movie. nice. Yeah, yeah, we're going to have giant snakes. Nice. It's going to be about... An anaconda nice. in the jungle, nice. kind of like, kind of like Apocalypse Now, where they're in a boat and they're trapped mm -hmm. in the jungle, mm -hmm. and they can't get off the boat. But because it's not the VC, it's the anaconda in the water. Nice. It's gonna be amazing. It's gonna be amazing. The We're gonna have the rapper pajamas, Ice Cube. <laughs> Ice Cube is gonna be in this movie, and. Mm -hmm. uh, and Jennifer Lopez, she's an up-and-coming star. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, we tried to get Gillian Anderson from X-Files. Her ass is thick, though, bro. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. She's got the assets that we want for this movie, <laughs> for sure. Nice. She's going to get naked in it, though, right? You know, I think we're going to do a PG-13 movie ah. for maximum uh, box office results. Okay, here. fine, but, fine, you know, fine. We'll have her nipples showing through a tank top in uh, <laughs> multiple instances. So, you know, nice, there's, nice. Yeah, we'll, we'll get it out there. And we've got another supporting actress who will be dressed for the malaria-ridden jungle a little nice. too sexily. sexily. Nice. Yeah, 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 yeah. Nice. But... All right, there are two villains in this movie. We've got the giant nice. snake, the anaconda, uh -huh. which can rip your face off, and then 
squeeze your shit out of your ass for you. But then we got John Voight. He's going to play a fucking weirdo guy. But, I mean, he's just going to So himself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, weird sexual predator rapist guy. But it's going to be great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's going to be great. Oh, man. Let me tell you. Nice. Nice. Yeah. All right, so is what's this movie actually about? Just people on a boat and yeah, people on a boat, attack? giant snake comes and kills them. That's <laughs> it. I mean, we don't need anything else. We got the okay, cast, great. we got the crew, we got great. the giant animatronic and CG snake nice. right here. Yeah, nice. Yeah. So how much you need for this fucking thing? Tell me about uh, that. I don't know, hundred, hundred million. Hundred? No, nah. man. All right, I'm I'll go sorry. with uh, I'll go with uh, forty-five. Forty-five. Well, that. I, get, uh, I mean, we can we can exchange the sound effects. We were gonna have real sound effects, but I guess I can just go <laughs> for the snake, and and you know we can save a million here, a million there. Great. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds great. Sounds great. As long as they stay on the boat and there's not like a lot of scenes outside of the boat, this thing can come in pretty cheap. I think I think it'll be all right. Yeah. Great, great. Yeah, there's yeah, only there's only be... like one or two scenes off the boat. But those can be look, stupid. man. Yeah. Look, man. It's 1997. I only have one prerequisite for you going down there. You need oh. to bring me back kilos of cocaine. That's all I care about. <laughs> Spend two yeah, no million dollars of the budget on cocaine and send it back to me, please. Because I'm I'm my my teeth aren't yacked out like they should be. And Randy Savage is coming over later in order to fucking hammer the shit out of me while I snort cocaine. So you got you got to help me re up, man. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, I think we can manage. We can manage that. Great. They also have some uh, other indigenous plants that we can grab for you. You know, there's good ones. Nice, nice. Whatever looks good that I can chew on. We, can, we can grab some. We can kidnap some pygmy indigenous people too, and they can <laughs> they can show you some crazy drugs. That'll be good. That sounds fantastic. <laughs> that sounds fucking. You can great. put them in your gonna... pipe and smoke them. You know. <laughs> nice. Nice. You just smoked human flesh. It's pretty awesome. No. No, is that something you can do down there? That sounds awesome. Yeah, it's Brazil. Anything goes, dude. No one I saw fuck. Cannibal Faroe. I mean, that shit. <laughs> Goddamn. So, Paul, talk. What? Why do you like this movie? Talk to me about that. So, t- 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 tell me what your what your gut reaction is about this movie. Oh, man. Tell me right. why it's that way. So, it follows the kind of... You know, slow buildup of of Jaws and other other classic monster movies where you don't sure. really see the monster for a while, mm-hmm. but you've got some some interesting characters to keep you keep you motivated. Like you don't know if John Voight is like a hero or a villain until like you know halfway through the movie, and then he turns out to be a villain. What? All so right. what, 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 what about his performance says that you aren't sure if he's a hero or a villain? He shows up, and he's a villain from straight on, dude. There's no sense that he's anything well, but he doesn't, a villain. He doesn't do anything overt for a while until he you know, starts threatening people with like guns and whatnot. And, but. <laughs> okay, okay. So... Other than, I mean, I know that we've singled out John Boyd a lot about this previously in previous episodes, but is there is there something beyond that that you like about this movie? I know you uh, like I mean, John. I love I love the snake sound effects. I mean, even though it's just screaming. Yeah, yeah, the human person like. 
yeah, yeah, yeah. That's pretty good. It's a classic. I mean, I like Ice Cube and and J Lo. Even though their characters aren't that interesting by themselves, they kind of bring something. Yeah, they bring something to the performance that makes it fun. It's good to see Owen Wilson die early in the movie. That's great. <laughs> you know. Yeah, you know, I mean, if you if you look back on his early career, dude, when you're looking over it, other than Bottle Rocket, it it didn't take off until Shanghai Nights or Shanghai Noon, whichever one came first. And after yeah. that, he became like a star. But before that, he For was just like movie. limping along, man. It was crazy. Yeah, no, he didn't really have much going on for him. And, you know, he's it's kind of a secondary character in this movie. And Right. I right. don't recall. I saw this when it came out in theaters as a kid. Really? really <laughs> yeah, I enjoyed it a lot. It was <laughs> stupid and fun. And I knew that at the time, but. I mean, there's great moments in this movie where the snake like gets blown <laughs> up in the smokestack. <laughs> like, you know. <laughs> so, so having seen it as a kid, what would you? I don't know if you remember this, but what would you have given it as a kid, like out of ten? Well, stars? I mean, being comparing it to movies like classics, like species and aliens and jaws <laughs> and uh what else was there out at this time predator you know there's there's way better movies out there but right i thought it was a, a fun dumb movie and, and <laughs> just entertaining, entertaining so out of 10 what was your child brain associated oh, seven with probably seven yeah. And as an adult, having seen it <laughs> since then, I think John Voight like carries this movie like on his <laughs> shoulders, and I'd give it a six. Like, <laughs> so it hasn't gone down a lot. <laughs> no, no, I think it's a classic, a cult classic. Huh. You can call it a yeah. It's it's a good bad movie for sure. So the four point eight out of ten doesn't feel forced to you. Would you agree with that? Four. I mean, if you're grading it objectively, sure. Yeah, it's a bad movie. <laughs> it's like almost sci-fi channel like yeah. uh, level. I mean, they've made movies based on the model of this. You know, they're not right. much different, but. I think right. the cast the cast elevates it to something <laughs> higher than it it could be. Okay. All right. So let's just jump right into this, Paul. <laughs> so, again, Columbia Pictures, Sony again. God damn it! Why does this keep happening? It's just Sony, Sony, Sony. But you know what? You know what's cool about the beginning of this movie, Paul, is the opening credits. You know how in the '90s when they didn't put rappers' names in quotes, nowadays they say like Curtis Fifty Cent Jackson. But not then, man. This was just Ice Cube, Ice motherfucker. Cube. <laughs> like, I love that shit. It's great. But. Anyway, so skinny Danny Trejo is so strange for me to see. Like, he's such a class act, dude. And this movie (laughs) is elevated for him being in it. Like, that's that's straight up. It's two years. What's weird is, is that this is two years after Heat. Like, he has a pretty big, pivotal role in Heat. And, like, for him to go from that, like, fairly large, really well-received movie to this where he like doesn't speak essentially and he dies within the first five minutes it's like confusing you know what i mean and it's fucking weird in that way they were they were going for the whole uh once upon a time in the west 
And yeah, they take I know, all the big I stars know. and they kill That's them. That's so classic, man. That is so <laughs> classic. Once Upon a Time in the West is like one of the best openings of any movie of all time. Like to kill off those guys immediately, you're like, oh, shit. Like, what is this movie? <laughs> but except, dude, if this is Brazil and Danny is a native of Brazil, why is he speaking Spanish? Like they speak Brazilian Portuguese in Brazil. Okay. So Actually, when I, I started the movie, it was an Italian. An Italian track, yeah. <laughs> and it sounded vaguely Spanish, but I'm like, wait, this isn't right. What the fuck yeah. is going on? So, yeah, I got through all of Trejo's scene in Italian before I realized <laughs> that J-Lo and the other guy were speaking Italian before I switched the track. So. Right. I love Randy Eidemann's score for The Last of the Mohicans. It's iconic and elevates the movie to a level of badassery not seen prior to it. But his score for this movie is repeatedly annoying. And I fucking hate his score in this movie. But I, I really, I really, really forget that Owen Wilson was in this movie. Like now, 24, 24 years later, he is co-starring with J Lo again. But he is falling in love with her because that's realistic. <laughs> Wait, which movie are you talking about? Now? It's it's a new movie coming up called Marry Me, where he and J Lo fall in love, and I'm like, really. J-Lo and Owen Wilson fall in love. I, I don't buy that for a second. Not in any universe. Like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> but anyway, so remember how Eric Stoltz was the original Marty McFly before Zemeckis replaced him after a couple weeks of shooting Back to the Future? No, I God. don't remember, but you reminded me. <laughs> yeah. God damn, he would have fucked up Back to the Future. Think of that, man. There's, like, I could not imagine Eric Stoltz in that role. And like the amount of chemistry that uh, that uh, that Michael J. Fox and Christopher Lloyd have in that movie, like you could not replicate that. I don't give a shit like what Eric Stoltz was capable of back in the day with like mask and shit like that. He couldn't have done it, you know what I mean? And so I'm so glad, so thankful that Robert Zemeckis replaced him because nah, it, it's pretty I'm awesome confident. in this movie how he just goes away. For a majority After like of it, fifteen movie, <laughs> fifteen minutes. They put a mute button on him, and he just goes away. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, seriously though, I mean, it's like you. I I honestly think that like if if Eric Stoltz was in Back to the Future, that it would have taken an eight point five out of ten on IMDb movie and made it a six point three out of ten on IMDb, just because he's not. He doesn't have that charisma that like Michael J. Fox has. He doesn't have that like same star power. And I don't see chemistry happening between Eric Stoltz and Christopher Lloyd. I just don't. But anyway, Ice Cube looks through a gaffer's glass at something near the beginning of this movie, right? But he's clearly looking away from a light source since he's outside. The light source would be the sun. This is one of the (laughs) tiny little details that pisses me off to no end in movies. Like, this is filmmakers showing filmmakers on the screen, and they can't show them doing their jobs correctly. This is something that constantly drives me insane, dude. I'm like, you are a filmmaker behind the camera, and you can't get the shit correct in front of the camera. What the fuck? Anyway, so remember when it was cool for white guys to wear seashell necklaces with no context? Like, dark days, motherfucker. Dark days. (laughs) Ah, the 90s. The 90s. Good times. (laughs) 
But dude, there's there's bad matte painting as lightning shows what bad optical printing looks like <laughs> near the beginning of this movie, right? This the film grains of these two different plates go in different directions and when it's overlaid, it looks like sandpaper and noise. It's kind of crazy that it looks this bad. I'm like, "God damn, dude. Like it's terrible." The fuck? Yeah, they spent but, they spent all their money on the snake. They spent $12 on the fucking <laughs> lightning effect. It's pretty obvious. But Ice Cube and the white financier antagonizing each other is so meta that it hurts my head. He is literally, Ice Cube is literally listening to himself on the boombox. <laughs> yeah. I have a huge problem with this, dude. Like, this is so fucked up. He's plugging his own, uh, his own record. His own label. record, which is yeah. weird because, like, the record that he was, or the record label he was signed with at the time had no connection to Sony Music or Universal Music at the time. Like, it had no connection. So I was like, they mm. literally licensed an outside studio's, like, fucking music in order to put it in this movie to pump up the star or the co-star <laughs> in this movie. That's and, probably like, put in money his, into somebody in else's contract. Pocket. He's like, you have to play my music for yeah, like L- like LL Cool J can't die in any of his movies. <laughs> he has a no-kill clause, man, and it's like nice. it's crazy. When I learned about that he had a no-kill clause, I'm like, that makes so much sense because all the ice or all the LL Cool J movies I've seen over the years, when he's supposed to die and he makes it out, I'm like, what the fuck? Like, there's no <laughs> way. <laughs> uh but anyway, so John Voight doing his best Latino Burt Reynolds is a thing of shame. Like, this could not so fly good. in today's day or age. Like, so nor should it, man. It should not fly in today's day or age. But it's a, it's a good thing that Ice Cube has a black and mild in the middle of the Amazon while listening to Rasta music. I'm not sure if he wanted this or is this classic textbook Hollywood racism. I'm confused by this scene. But... J-Lo falling in love with Eric Stoltz just totally isn't believable. Like, what does she see in this guy? He's a redheaded fire crotch, man. He's a, <laughs> he's a genetic mistake. Like, what the fuck? Okay. All right. Uh, Gabe's going to apologize for <laughs> I'm his sorry. I apologize to, yes, I apologize to all <laughs> gingers, and everything. gingers yeah. in the world. <laughs> I apologize. I've watched too much South Park over the years. I apologize. But dude, okay. the, the rub- you can you can shit on them. All I time. can rip on them all I want. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But dude, the the rubber <laughs> snake attacking the rubber panther is awful to look at, especially um, with the shaky cam that happens during the scene, which is nowhere present in any of the other python dude, attacks. Dude, like it squeezes the panther so hard that its eye pops out. I mean, that's that's badass. How like, could an anaconda be so strong to pop an eyeball out of a panther but leave the undamaged head? That's what I'm confused by. Like, because the eyeball pops out, but the rest of the head of the, the animal is like intact as it's dragging it away. Side note, is this a thing? I don't I don't know much about this, but like, is it possible possible biologically to squeeze an animal so hard that its eyes fly out of its head? Sure, why not? <laughs> I don't know, if you man. squeeze its head hard enough, yeah, its eyeballs are gonna end up popping out. Would it pop out, or would the head crush uh, around the eyeballs? That's the question. I don't know. I'm searching for "eye pop out" on Google. <laughs> Jesus Christ! Apparently, right, so there's I... a, a specific reflex that people have 
genetic <laughs> defect where they can like, squeeze their eyes out of their sockets. Yeah, it's it's like that guy on the Guinness Book of World Records that can <laughs> pop his eyeballs out. Remember that guy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's been good stuff. <laughs> so, Paul, going back to filmmakers making filmmakers look stupid in a movie, right? Like, there's a huge filmmaking problem in this movie. Ice Cube's camera is a Super 16 Bolex type camera, right? It looks like an RESR3, which shoots in a native aspect ratio of 4x3 or 1.33 to 1, right? But in the image scene of this rolling camera, presumably through the viewfinder, we see the movie Anaconda's aspect ratio of 235 to 1. Like, there isn't an anamorphic lens on his camera, it's clearly spherical. But again, what do I know? This Wait, is just how, how is it clearly spherical? How do you know that? All right. So an anamorphic lens, if you don't know what an anamorphic lens looks like, on the front of it, it looks like a bowed screen of a movie almost. Like that bowed thing that like curved screens look like right on the front. It only takes like, one lens element, which could be anywhere in the lens, to make it an anamorphic. It doesn't not, have to be the front not, element. Not film anamorphic lenses. Film anamorphic lenses always have a, a bowed outer lens element. Always. Uh, I've never seen an anamorphic lens that doesn't uh, have that. Uh, maybe they were just cropping the 16 millimeter and... Uh, not in the viewfinder, they're not. <laughs> <laughs> that's what i'm saying they're not doing it in the viewfinder but besides <laughs> the point besides the point john voight is supposed to be a hunter and an expert outdoorsman right but when owen wilson and his slam piece run into the open after being chased by the boar john's elbow is way up like this when he's aiming the <laughs> rifle and i'm like totally not how a rifleman or a professional hunter would be firing his weapon I don't know about that, but when JLo when JLo is putting her hair up after the propeller gets caught in the bowline, right? John Voight is hamming up his creepy look looking at her. Like <laughs> my question is, my question is, why do we need this guy in this movie again at this point? Why do we need him like even in even like Cuz he's script, the star of the movie, man. Even as a script, right? Like what is the point of this character being on the boat at this point in the script? He doesn't add anything to the he's value. He's advancing of the whole plot. I mean, he's forcing them to go down the river that they don't want to go down. I mean, he he it's it's revealed later that he puts the wasp in the dude's like snorkel gear to make him so he gets stung up. yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so i mean he's the he's the villain who's pushing them towards the goal in the end of being next right. to the anaconda okay sure so let's let's move on past that point and let's talk about when they give eric stoltz a tracheotomy right so they sterilize with whiskey <laughs> from a flask but whiskey doesn't have a high enough alcohol content to kill anything that would be dangerous on this dirty knife i mean it's it's better than nothing <laughs> <laughs> it essentially do, is you know? nothing paul it essentially is nothing that's my uh, point yeah. it's better than nothing <laughs> all right so they wander across the dam in the middle of a shortcut river to take Eric little black medical book Stoltz to the hospital, right? But when Owen Wilson jumps in the water to help, his dynamite goes completely underwater before he places it. Dynamite doesn't work once it's wet. It, it separates the nitroglycerin from the diatomaceous earth and ruins it. I feel like this has been addressed in many, many movies over the years, even if you don't know the science right. behind it. That just feels wrong. Look it up. 
I am. You can't get cut. You can't get dynamite wet. Well, What's it say, uh, Paul? Uh, it's not stable in damp environments and so it's water. Wrong. Yeah. Nitroglycerin is water soluble. All right. So it won't really work when wet. Yeah. Exactly. Well, fuck. <laughs> well, maybe it's not. Maybe it's not dynamite, Gabe. Maybe it's something else. You ever thought of He that? says it's dynamite. <laughs> he asks if it's dynamite. <laughs> but, dude, anyway, so after something sneaks up on Owen and John saves him from it, Owen Wilson's shirt is somehow perfectly dry despite being pulled directly from the water. Uh, yeah, if you went through this movie and all the continuity, continuity. between, <laughs> like, wet, sweaty shirts and clean shirts and reversed like film stock of waterfalls and shit yeah yeah you'd be you'd be dragging out a lot of shit don't exactly don't bother with it i'm gonna i'm gonna go down that route okay you're gonna drag it all right <laughs> so somehow the explosion from the dam is so fucking big the explosion causes debris to destroy the escape boat and drop all the spare fuel into the water right because why not? Even if John did this deliberately to sabotage the mission, why would he put himself in that situation? Seems like a lose-lose for him. He can either be stuck on the river like he was before, or he can disable this and like take them down this dark route. It's still a fucking lose-lose for him. But visualizing the anaconda vision as being a slight Dutch angle isn't very effective, especially since snakes can't really see. This is like a huge problem that I have with this, is that it's like, it's crystal clear, and I'm like, okay, yeah. so even in Predator, if, like with the if Predator anything, vision. Yeah, they should use Predator vision. Predator right? vision, yeah. I know. <laughs> this is such a basic thing. <laughs> uh, not on top of the fact that, like, snakes fucking smell with their fucking tongue, you know what I mean? So, like, they could have visualized something else with that, you know, like a, a, a uh, almost like a granular sweet. map or a granular yeah. image that appears as they flicker their right. tongue. That would have been pretty dope. But they cool. wander across. It would be cool, but they wandered across Danny Trejo's boat, right? And in an effort to document it, Ice Cube uses his 16-millimeter camera, and the filmmakers do the aspect ratio problem a fucking second time! They can't do it just, just once, they gotta it. fuck it up a second time. <laughs> but also, Cube, Cube presses one button on the side of the camera and it rolls completely silently. Look, I know you can do a lot to tone down the amount of sound that a film camera makes as the celluloid rattles through the gate, but for it to be completely silent just isn't true to life. Like, especially when your head is right next to it and you're doing handheld. Like, you will hear it as we are cutting to his viewfinder, which is f which we fucking do not do. That's the worst part, is that when we cut to the viewfinder, we don't even hear it during that moment. If you wanted yeah, to be a little yeah. better about this sort of thing, you could have put that in, made it a little more realistic. It's little details like that. That kind of add to a movie, you know. Well, what I mean? mean, it doesn't have a sound guy either during this whole sequence. Yeah, and I, mean, I need to take a piss, on. so I'm gonna I'm right, gonna yeah. do that. Drink like right, a here. whole like bottle of wine and uh, a beer as well. So it's good stuff. All right, I'm gonna piss. Enjoy. Oh. I gotta say what I, I think I love about John Voight's character <laughs> in this movie is his whole like nonchalance about human life and <laughs> danger and everything like that. He's just like, oh yeah, 
what's his name? Montango. What's the the first character to die from the boat? He's like the pilot. I don't remember. Whatever. Whatever. The his like partner in crime, secret partner. Mateo. Mateo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's just like ah, yeah. He probably died. Something, <laughs> something could killed him in the water. Yeah. And you like, like how oh, nonchalant shit. he is about yeah. life and death. Yeah, it's pretty badass. And then you know he like <laughs> throws some some plant in the water, and he's like, okay, that was good. I did my part. You know. <laughs> I did a prayer. Yeah. Now let's move on. Yeah. <laughs> let's talk about Mateo for a second, because <laughs> as Mateo wanders into the below deck, right, he wanders in without ever looking at the floor that he's stepping on. Directly into the hole in the floor, right? <laughs> this is a cheap jump scare and completely not true to life. Like, it's a fucking miracle that this guy is still alive if this is the way that he's been operating in the wild thus far. Like, come on, man. <laughs> Don't you but, just walk into the, to buildings and, and boats? To rooms without looking? <laughs> yeah. Especially derelict buildings or, like, you know, fucking... Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, if you ever go to Chile... Like, they have a thing with derelict bridges and, and platforms and everything and boardwalks. I don't know how oh. many how many bridges I, like, stepped through, like, Indiana Jones style, where you, like, step over it and you just <laughs> fall through and you're like, God damn. Could have died. Guys? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, watch out for that shit. Did you when you were in Chile? Did you ever have an Indiana Jones moment where your the bridge was like three hundred feet above the water and you almost fell through? No, there was this one bridge, and it was basically like two by fours, like splayed out. And I was like, ah, this isn't this isn't gonna support me. But I went across it anyways, and I fell like straight through. There's only like five feet to the ground and I managed to catch myself before I came like before I impaled myself on one of the like support structures for the bridge. But yeah. That sounds awesome. That sounds like a real uh real I learned learned my lesson to not trust any structural things that they build. And how So how did how did you cross bridges from then on? Did you like walk with your feet at the edge of any bridge you came across? (laughs) So that way, at least you could catch the ropes if something happened. Slow shuffle. I would take my backpack off or my camera bag and like throw it across the bridge before. (laughs) So just in case that extra like 20 pounds of weight would break it. Not to mention that it's expensive, right? (laughs) Yeah. yeah. That's that's the real reason. (laughs) Yeah. yeah, So or just go around if I could. Those things. Dude. It's going to your feet muddy. Yeah. Have you watched the Grand Tour on Amazon yet? No, haven't haven't done that. There's one there's one where they go to Colombia and they're like taking these four-wheel drive vehicles through the the jungles of Colombia to dr- I think they're driving like a thousand miles or something like that through the Amazon forest. But they come across this bridge, it's like 150 feet above like this jagged white water like river. And it's only wide enough for three of the cars or two of the cars. The third car, it's like literally on the inside edges of the tire. And it's made up of these logs that they just like sort of felled on top of like these longer logs and tied them together. And when they do the sequence of them crossing, I'm like, Jesus Christ, like, fuck no, man. I wouldn't do that shit. 
<laughs> it's great. It's great, great work, yeah. man. You got you got to watch that show, man. It's so fucking funny. It's like yeah. everything that we've been missing from the Grand Tour and or the uh, I'm sorry, uh, Top Gear not being around, and it's like funny and all that great shit. Nice. It's like makes that show so good. But anyway, going back to this piece of shit movie. <laughs> as Mateo as Mateo dismounts from the houseboat, he slips into the water, and we are treated to the first glimpse of the CGI anaconda, <laughs> who is really fucking loud, by the way, and it's awful CGI work, right? I just I just want to remind people this same time, this same year, Lost World, aka Jurassic Park Two, was out this same year with a little bit more of a budget, but not much more of a budget. They did a lot more with that money. Uh, I don't know how much J Lo and Ice Cube pulled out of the budget, but like you know, in order for visual effects to end up like this, it's like Jesus Christ. <laughs> but despite only being thirty I, I to forty love the feet rubber of snake effects, like there's something very charming <laughs> about the rubber snake. I do, movie. I do like the rubber snake. Yeah, it's good. It's good. The animatronics aren't bad in this movie. They really yeah. aren't. But despite only being 30 or 40 feet away from them, they don't hear all this thrashing and loud screeching by the snake. I'm confused by this. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> what contribution, by the way, does the snooty financier give to the script or any of these scenes? Like, it's 40 minutes in, and not only am I unsure, but I'm constantly annoyed by He's this guy. satisfying death. That's, yeah, that's his purpose. That's the only movie, setup. You know, the character that you hate, that you root for to be Dying. killed by the snake. That's yeah. true. But he doesn't even yeah. die in like a bad way, though. He just kind of. I'm trying to think of how yeah. he dies. He gets how eaten at the die? waterfall or something like that. I don't remember. I don't remember how he dies. Yeah, he's like climbing oh, well. on the waterfall thing and. Right, snake grabs and he, like plummets him, the tree off the breaks. Yeah. That's right, that's right. Yeah. But we don't see his actual death beyond him getting grabbed by the snake in the tree. Yeah, yeah, it's not satisfying enough. I think they could have done more. Definitely. Yeah, true. But dude, as the crew freaks out and JLo does her best to act, she can't seem to furrow her brow, probably because she is trying to make herself look as pretty as possible, but also because she is a terrible actress. I'm sorry, JLo, you're a terrible actress. Like... <laughs> I fucking worked with J Lo, dude, and J Lo cannot act. That's all I'm gonna say. Oh, like she, no, she's, she's just good in this. She's good in uh, <laughs> the cell. Yeah, yeah, definitely. She's decent in the cell. She's not great in the cell. Come on, she's not good in the cell. In all other <laughs> movies, I, I disown her acting. Gili, <laughs> especially. Oh yeah. But as they wait through the night, somehow John Voight convinces Owen Wilson to help him hunt the snakes with, if you capture one alive, that's over a million dollars, Gary. But my question is, who is paying the million dollars? And for what? <laughs> a pet? Like, who the fuck is paying this money, dude? That's what I really yeah. want to know. My wife, she used to work at uh, the Colorado Zoo, uh, or mm -hmm. the Colorado Springs Zoo. I forget what it's called. But uh, they had an anaconda there for a while, but they had to get rid of it just because it was so aggressive and angry. <laughs> and they're like, this shit ain't worth it, man. Let's get <laughs> a nice, happy snake that doesn't try to, like, fuck us up every time we try to feed it a dead rat or whatever. Wait a second. So. When with... With animals in zoos, do zoos pay for the? I, I I don't actually know this. Do zoos pay for the animals that are in their zoo? Uh, sometimes. I mean, a lot of the time, it's like some 
law enforcement agency will confiscate a animal smuggling type situation and they'll be like, <laughs> well, we've got this endangered species and we can't just return it to the jungle where it came from because it'll just die. So right. any zoos, can you properly take care of it? You know, I don't actually know anything about that. That This brought up like a bigger yeah. thing in me. I have no idea where well, zoos get their It's animals. like insanely expensive to take care of these animals too. Like oh, yeah. all the food and medical Absolutely. care and all that shit and the people that it takes. It's crazy. And coronavirus has so, like completely destroyed oh, zoos. It fucking yeah, sucks. These yeah, poor animals are suffering, man. Yeah, let's euthanize those pandas. We can't afford them. <laughs> Uh, I don't know. I, I, I'm just going to move past that. <laughs> Owen Wilson, though, dude, he tries his best to convince the crew to go on the snake hunt, right? But while he suddenly turns sinister, which is super hard to do for Owen Wilson, and he fails at it, his pitch is essentially yeah. agreeing with extortion. That's not common sense. This is Stockholm Syndrome, and it's completely unmotivated previously in this movie. That's what I, I don't get that moment. He's... A- I get it. His character, he's just kind of a weak little bitch. And he goes <laughs> along with whatever, whoever convinces him to do whatever. You know? <laughs> but dude, why why does their ship just happen to have a come-along crane on the back of it? Like, they never showed this previously. This is just to pick up fuel drums or something. If so, it doesn't need to be this large unless you're meaning to catch a giant snake like you're fishing for it. I mean, you never know what you could use a crane for. If you're going <laughs> through the Amazon like deep, a crane would probably be useful for like removing like large branches or trees stuck in the water, Maybe. you know. Maybe, but it's on the back it. of the boat, motherfucker. So how does yeah, that work? Loading fuel or or monkeys. Yeah. <laughs> right, for all the uh the bushmeat crowd, which is oh, like yeah. a huge business by the way. <laughs> I was reading about bushmeat the other yeah. day and it's like it's like a multi-billion dollar business and I'm like Damn, who the fuck are these people like eating weird uh, meats from yeah, all over the world? That is pretty weird. This is like one percenter type shit. That's how you get AIDS or coronavirus <laughs> or like some new like horrendous virus if you eat yeah. bushmeat. Like, you'll be, yeah, you'll be patient zero if you do that. So I would skip it. For real. Personally, but, you know, if you want to know what monkey nuts taste like, go <laughs> just stay stay away from the rest of civilization so you don't bring that. Right. That I mean, I ate a bat when I was in Guam, so that's oh. not much better, but. Bats are the, like, number one crossover species for novel viruses, by the way. <laughs> so. Yeah, <laughs> fucking swine flu and coronavirus. Yeah, no, like bats because they're so mobile and social. Like they breed new viruses like crazy. It's pretty awesome. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Are you so, saying that we should euthanize all the bats? Is I that mean, maybe just don't go digging around in their guano and <laughs> shit like that. <laughs> What's that cave in Mexico that has like? 30 feet of guano at the base <laughs> oh, man. oh man yeah i don't know i don't know <laughs> stay out of there it's disgusting yeah, stay <laughs> yeah. out of there or wear like real hazmat shit if you go in there right yeah. so 
I want to move on to the snake, right? Like the snake does a bunch of really loud thrashing and thank God it finally kills Owen Wilson, right? <laughs> but what's really stupid about this scene is that JLo doesn't seem to have any emotion whatsoever. Like she can't act. She couldn't act in 1997 and she still can't act 24 years later. I mean, is she but, supposed to feel bad about Owen Wilson dying? Not really. I mean, all right, so how how many people do you think that she's seen die in her life? And now all of a sudden she sees this very violent death in the middle of the jungle and she's not having any sort of reaction to it? Like, I don't care if you don't like somebody. The first time you see somebody die in real life, it is not a pleasant experience. Like, it's a very fucked up thing. <laughs> Anyway, so Owen Wilson's slam piece starts crying and blames John Voight, right? She even goes so far as to say that he brought the snake from the devil because <laughs> out of nowhere, she's religious all uh, of a sudden. Yeah, obviously. <laughs> I don't get that moment. But we go below the water as the snake swims by and we see Owen uh, in Owen Wilson shape in his intestine, right? But there is no shading whatsoever to the CGI. Like, it's so weird because the effects in this movie range from pretty effective puppeteering and like animatronics to hokey things <laughs> to outright shit CGI. And each and every time the color of the snake fucking changes. Like what color is this fucking snake or is it multiple snakes? They never like I mean, even it's this like out. got that iridescent sheen to its skin. So it depends on what if it's out in the open. Is it dry? Is it wet? You know, it's all these <laughs> things that changes the color. Okay, okay, I'm going to yeah. move past that color for a second, but <laughs> J-Lo tries her best to seduce John Voight, right? And this is where J-Lo shines as a sexual <laughs> object who fails the Beckdale test. But they bash through a window and knock John Voight's ass out, right? But despite his man, this man's blatant disregard for everyone's life on board, they don't throw him overboard. They tie him up and leave him on the boat. I'm sorry, dude. Like, if somebody just got several people killed on a boat and I was in the middle of the Amazon and I knew that nobody would fucking figure it out, I would throw that motherfucker in the water. Like, no doubt. Me too. But J-Lo shows her character. She says that she's had enough of the killing and so they just tie him up. <laughs> yeah. That was a mistake. It. But, you know, I mean, that makes the whole movie more interesting. If they threw him so overboard, <laughs> what would happen to the last half of that movie? It would be shit. It is John shit. Boyd the last half hour. God damn you. <laughs> <laughs> so as J-Lo interrogates John and beats him up after questioning him about a newspaper clipping that presents exposition, even though this seemingly is pulled out of her ass, <laughs> we have we have close-ups of J-Lo's reveal, right? She has no eyebrows, and it seems like she has had a no job, a nose job at some point. Yeah, I'm just saying. Yeah, it's weird about her like no eyebrow thing. Her face yeah. looks different in this movie, dude. Like I know yeah. that like people change over the years, but like her face is way different in this movie compared to like later movies. Let's just talk about this for a second. The <laughs> the one time the black guy is let to drive the boat, he crashes it. Nice, <laughs> very nice racism, people. Like I don't I don't know what the fuck this is. <laughs> but what's really odd is the comment that the rich financier says, right? Last time I was in water like this, I was up to all night picking leeches off my scrotum. Okay, so two two questions here, okay? I got I got questions. <laughs> One, leeches wouldn't go for the scrotum because there's not any blood vessels in the scrotum. Like, 
seriously, they would go for the taint or the <laughs> legs or whatever, but that wouldn't I mean, be a good they're just feeding gonna area. Latch on to whatever it's warm. But they move. It's... That's the thing. If they aren't getting a fucking draw on blood, they'll move. They like slurry over to someplace <laughs> else and they'll bite down there. But that's number one. Number two is how big is this dude's scrotum that it takes him an entire night to pick off the fucking leeches off of it? That's what I'm really confused by. He says he spends the whole night pulling leeches off his scrotum. Yeah, I'm not I'm not finding any leech scrotum pictures on YouTube or anything. <laughs> Internet, if only Ogrish was still around. <laughs> <laughs> but as everyone that hasn't suffered a personal catastrophic loss jumps off the boat to deal with one winch, somehow one winch requires everyone to come off the boat. <laughs> Owen Slampeach appro- Slampiece approaches John Voight with a knife as a fake out to the audience that she's going to kill him for revenge, only for him to grab her by the neck with his legs and strangle her to death. Again, only a few feet away from the leads, but somehow <laughs> nobody hears this commotion. John it's gets the guy. knife. John gets the knife. <laughs> John gets the knife and cuts himself loose, and somehow they can't overpower one guy who has ju- who has just a knife with a rifle in their numbers. But that's besides the point. <laughs> The financier crawls up the waterfall and jumps off the cliff to get away from the anaconda, but the anaconda grabs him in midair, which is awesome but also stupid in that the tree is hanging in just the right place to happen to drag the entire tree down and cripple the boat. What a fucking coincidence. But then the coincidences stack even higher, Paul, because Ice Cube swims back to the boat. It's now and only now directly in front of him that the body of Owen Wilson's slam piece floats up to scare him, to keep him in the water, only for the anaconda to rear its head and attack him (laughs) and not immediately crush him or drag him underwater. Yeah, but to keep its head up long enough. (laughs) But to keep its head up long enough for JLo to shoot the snake in the head three times without you know, her <laughs> aiming down the sights and without cocking the fucking bolt action <laughs> rifle once. And somehow the goddamn snake still this, isn't like, dead. You know, most most movies it's like they shoot if especially if a woman a woman picks up a rifle, she always misses oh, yeah. like once or twice. Obviously. But in this she gets it three times like right in the brain pan. I'm like, yeah. Kill with a thirty odd six and can't kill yeah. a snake. Okay, yeah, that's pretty yeah. good. I mean, I couldn't do any better. That's for sure. Goddamn. <laughs> Especially yeah. not looking down the sight. She <laughs> fires this fucking shit from her fucking Off hip, essentially, and whacks that shit. <laughs> but dude, all this goddamn commotion distracts the duo from remembering that there is a psycho dude on board that is trying to kill all of them, <laughs> still with no explanation. But. In the next shot, as they free the boat from the sandbar, Paul, this is my hack attack of the week. They free the boat from the sandbar, and the boat is seen backing up in a quick shot, right? Like, looks good. They're on their way. But somehow, must someone must have forgotten to actually shoot that shot, because this shot is clearly reversed, as you can see the very large waterfall behind them blowing upward, literally defying gravity. And this is supposed to go unnoticed. Like, yeah, <laughs> come on, man. Yeah, like this is stupid as shit. 
this even even if this was a good movie, right? Like it in my <laughs> opinion it's not. But even if this is a good movie, at this point I'm pissed cuz I'm like, come on, man. Like come on, man. What I the fuck? I think that's one of the classic moments of this movie. The defining moments that they thought they thought that shit would fly. That they're just like, "Oh yeah, you won't notice the waterfall going backwards. It's cool. Let's just use that." Why not? Yeah, just use that shot. <laughs> but dude, they wander across a very abandoned building on the river and Ice Cube says, "They might have some fuel for us." Why would a building that looks like this has been abandoned for decades have viable boat fuel in it? What a stupid line. But as they wander up, they see <laughs> But guess guns what, and- Gabe? There is fuel in there. So there. Take it. Shove it. <laughs> <laughs> Ice Cube is right. I was wrong. Yeah. <laughs> but as they wander up, they see guns and old axe, etc. sitting on the dock, covered in dust and weather-worn to shit. And J-Lo picks up a gun by the fucking trigger. Not only is this stupid, but it's very, very unsafe handling a gun by anyone like this. And I feel like even if you don't know anything about guns, you know not to pick up a gun with your finger on the trigger. I think you know that, even if you have known nothing about guns. But whatever. Well, I mean, the best way to check and see if it's loaded is to look down the barrel. Right, right? yeah. With your finger on the trigger, obviously. (laughs) (laughs) But she finds something on the ground and picks it up and stretches it out. It's clearly snakeskin as she is stretching it out, but apparently J-Lo is so dumb she doesn't know this despite having seen snakeskin in a previous scene to great dramatic effect. (laughs) She drops it in disgust when Ice Cube says what it is. But does this woman have a mind of a goldfish? Does she just not remember something that happened an hour ago or a day before? What the fuck? There's been a lot of trauma she totally had to blank out the snake. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. She forgot about it. That's cool. But they find fuel and don't bother looking anywhere else but the drums, despite there being a murderer and a fucking giant python hunting them. They literally <laughs> look straight forward. But they get knocked out, and as they wake up tied up, they get doused in monkey blood, about a gallon of it, from one monkey. I had no idea that monkeys had this much blood in them, but apparently they are 85% blood. But John brings attention to a pile of dust on the floor and rubs his hands with it and says, this is how human bones come out, ashes to ashes. Come out of what, John? Like, where did these ashy bones come from? Like the anus of a snake? Why are these burned bodies on the ground? What the fuck is he talking about? (laughs) I don't get this. But despite them being tied with what looks like strips of cloth, as they get attacked by the anaconda, they don't try to twist against each other to break free, all while John jumps from height to trigger an impossibly large net, like a wily e. Coyote cartoon all of a sudden. But the snake breaks loose, and John gets attacked by the anaconda, but rather than wrap him instantaneously or break his neck like we've seen four to five times before, the, onac- oh, the anaconda Wait, is confused. Before we go to this, I love the fact that John Voight has this tiny little like spider monkey, then he has a gallon of blood of monkey blood. That's what I'm somehow. saying! <laughs> How is there 85% blood in that fucking monkey? Like the tiny little monkey. Uh. 
But, you know, the snake gets somehow confused as the ladder that John is on and forgets to kill him when the ladder falls over. So are these, sm- these snakes smart or dumb as shit? Like, yeah, this they, movie has they the get shit. distracted every once in a while, especially when they're right in the throes of strangling someone to death. <laughs> something comes around. Wait, isn't that, isn't that a whole thing with uh, anacondas and, like, constricting pythons and shit like that is that they don't do anything else once they're in the locked position like that's all they concentrate on yeah, i'm pretty sure yeah they're, like getting but, slashed yeah. on or chopped on or whatever yeah, like they're gonna yeah. fucking squeeze the life out of it but this is the giant giant anaconda it's a whole different species where you know it so gets maybe distracted it gets easily distracted. When it's about to kill its prey and eat it. yeah but finally, John gets squished and eaten as we are treated with an anaconda throat camera, because that's what we need the most, apparently. I mean, I think that was pretty sweet, like that <laughs> that effect shot or whatever it was. That's fun. And when you see his like jawbone breaking, like, and he's like, yeah. oh, yeah, no, that's that's pretty <laughs> satisfying. I enjoyed that part. Yeah. But one one thing that this movie gets wrong, Paul, is that snakes, once they've eaten, tend to stop feeding because it can take weeks <laughs> or even months for them to digest their meal. But as but the next Gabe, the, the title card at the beginning says that the anaconda is so deadly that it just likes to regurgitate and eat again so it can enjoy the sport of killing or whatever. <laughs> that so. that brings me to my next point, but <laughs> The snake breaks through the wall, and as it chases J-Lo, it vomits up John Voight. And we see he still isn't dead. Like, how much does it take to kill one retiree aged man? Speaking of vomit, Paul, this leads me to my sandwich beef of the week. Oh, nice, nice. So, Paul... This happened almost 12 years ago back in Albuquerque, but I want to talk about <laughs> Juana's Mexican food in the absolute dump that is Hobbs, New Mexico. Oh, Hobbs. New Mexico is... Why were you there? Why All right, I'll get to that in a second. I'll get to that in a second. <laughs> New Mexico is mine and Paul's home state, so we can talk shit about it all we want. Side note. But southern New Mexico is mostly awful some beautiful (laughs) places are there like carlsbad caverns and white sands but overall it's a dump we all know the most beautiful area of the state is the northern part and that's confirmed by the sheer number of celebrities with homes in the northern part of the state from oprah bruce willis julia roberts johnny depp george rr martin dennis hopper before his death neil patrick harris jesse tyler ferguson and many many more people all live up north not south because again the South is a dump. <laughs> anyway, so a few weeks after I met my wife, Caitlin, she had never been to Carlsbad Caverns, right? As a native of the state, I was happy to take her on a little adventure to the ca- the caverns so we could see the largest cave chamber in North America, right? We went and did the tourist thing. We camped. We laughed. We explored the caves. We got shot at, and then we went home to Albuquerque, right? So on our northerly route, it took us through Hobbs. We decided to stop and eat because we were hungry. The only place that was open was Juana's. And to be fair, it didn't look that bad when I drove up to it. So I flipped through the menu and I found that they had fried fish tacos. Now, before anyone bitches about me eating fish in a landlocked state, <laughs> Crazy Fish is out in Albuquerque is still the best sushi that I've had in the Southwest area. And it will remain so 
because they actually take care in sourcing fresh fish that is flown in to provide the best quality possible. However, Juana's being the small town restaurant that it is does not take the same care, nor do they make sure that their fish isn't overbreaded and evenly cooked all the way through to mask the fact that it is expired and rotten. <laughs> I eat the tacos and they are okay, despite the really awful fish smell that I keep getting as the third note behind the breading and everything else. <laughs> We drive the remaining four hours and 47 minutes back to Albuquerque, and I stay the night at Caitlin's place in downtown Albuquerque. In the middle of the night, Paul, I was dead asleep and dreaming as I was awakened by projectile vomit coming from my lips. <laughs> That's the worst. When you wake up vomiting, man, oh, that is yeah. the worst. Uh, but yeah. I lean over the bed and I vomit all over Caitlin's <laughs> carpet and crawl to the bathroom a few feet away, away vomiting twice more on the carpet <laughs> on my way there and missing the toilet bowl entirely. Oh, no. I spent the next three hours vomiting and dry heaving <laughs> over the bowl as Caitlin was tasked with cleaning my vomit from the bed, the ceiling, the walls, the floors, the carpets, <laughs> and the drapes in her is, bedroom. Is that and when upstairs. you knew that you were going to make her your wife? I knew <laughs> that she was the one. <laughs> uh, this was only a few weeks after meeting her, and we weren't official yet. And she still cleaned my, my vomit, and a couple weeks later, she asked me to be her boyfriend. What, what else was she going to do? Just let it rot in her apartment she could have kicked me the fuck out that's what i'm saying but she still would have had to clean it i mean i get it i get it but she didn't kick me out i guess is my point she okay. still asked me to be her boyfriend All which right. is my point and now she is my wife to juana's in hobbs new mexico clean your fucking restaurant out and stop poisoning people if you can't figure out how to cook properly and not give people the botulism special maybe don't open a goddamn restaurant Eat a bucket of baby dicks, you fucking twats. <laughs> oh man! So, so I was uh, I was trying to get to Carlsbad, New Mexico, to go to the caverns with my wife Jill. We were driving through Central Texas. Had she been there before? No, she'd never been there. Um, okay, but we were trying to get there from. We were driving back from New Orleans in December, I guess. Mm -hmm. And there's this big-ass ice storm similar to what happened this year. And so we got <laughs> – instead of deciding to, like, try to risk it and drive through this shit, we stopped in Cisco, te Texas, which is in the middle of fuck nowhere. <laughs> I don't even know where it is. But we get to an area, like a and b, &B and – we're talking to the owner, and he's like, oh, yeah, this used to be an old courthouse. They would, like, hang people outside. It's really <laughs> cool. I've restored nice. it. I mean, I, like, built this place from scratch. Oh, man. Let me tell you about the best book I've ever read. It's called Devil in the White City. It's about this guy nice. who owned yeah. a hotel, and he, like, installed these, like, gas fixtures, and he would, like, murder people in their sleep in their hotel room. I'm like, oh, good. <laughs> You're telling me about this. <laughs> I'm going to sleep soundly tonight. <laughs> Dude, <laughs> but that's it turned a out it was a great book. book. Great book. You it's know? a great and book. Didn't, he didn't murder us in our sleep. He may have raped us. I don't know. But <laughs> I don't I don't think so. I, if he did, he used lube at least. So it's fine. Yeah, you weren't yeah. aware of it the next morning and he cleaned yeah. up after himself. That's yeah, yeah, good. Yeah, yeah. 
No, if you don't if you don't know Devil in the White City, it's about H. H. Holmes, which is like he he's widely regarded as like America's first serial killer or whatever, but they don't actually know how many people that he killed. He had a he, he had a hotel a <laughs> he had a hotel in Chicago that he built and it had like trap doors and like chutes in the wall that he could send bodies down to the basement and shit. And he had a fucking acid bath where he was dissolving people on top of a fucking furnace that oh, he yeah. could burn Custom people furnace. inside of. Yeah, that would actually like atomize bones and shit. He right, but the the very... thing that's crazy about it that they can't figure out how many people he killed is that during that time period of the the Chicago World's Fair, a lot of people were coming into Chicago, especially like young women, like to see this great spectacle, and people could just disappear. And like they had no way of tracking this shit because a lot of these people didn't have any records of coming to Chicago. They just disappeared. So yeah. they have no idea how many people he killed. They say it's as little as 50, but as many <laughs> as 300 people he's killed. Yeah. Yeah. And like it just fucking blows my mind. That the, but read the book because the book like it contrasts what H.H. H. Holmes was doing with his hotel with the craziness of the people bidding basically over the war of running the world's fair, who's going to install like the fucking construction contract, yeah, yeah. the architects that were warring over that shit. And it contrasts these two forms of madness in such a brilliant way <laughs> that I can't, yeah, I can't recommend badass. that book enough. It's a yeah, fucking it's... great book. But anyway, so going back to this movie, JLo climbs up to the top of the smokestack and Ice Cube lights a fuse as the snake chases her, right? <laughs> but JLo struggles with the hatch at the top of the smoke smokestack as she forgets how to open doors all of a sudden until the man tells her how to open the door. <laughs> so not only is this movie and JLo's character stupid, but apparently the Bechdel test needs what to be failed say? once again to That's, reinforce chauvinism. Does he just say push it open or something? Yeah, he says push it open. Look at the latch on the right. Push it open but he, she needed a man to tell her how to do that paul but a, a giant hollywood explosion ensues as a flaming anaconda falls into the water with jayla that is classic i mean cool. you have to go it's back cool. to jaws 2 where the the shark like bites the electrical cable and like catches on fire before it dies like you know it's been a long time since i've seen a great movie monster death but oh shit it's not dead. It's just on fire. Yeah, it's not dead. It's just on fire. <laughs> Somehow it's on fire. But the only thing more dangerous, Paul, than a hungry anaconda is a flaming hungry anaconda. <laughs> <laughs> we, cut, we cut back to Eric Stoltz, now awake and able to breathe on his own. No idea how a tracheotomy took this fucking long for him to wake up from, but I digress. All I'll say is Eric Stoltz is useless in every movie, even as Lance as Pulp Fiction. <laughs> Or in Pulp Fiction. As they proceed on their way home, they wander across perhaps the my my most hated adventure movie trope that still happens today, the silent mystical native trope. The natives emerge <laughs> from the misty jungle, mysterious and enviable for their survival at the hands of such inhumane nature, but they do not speak. They only serve as a visual fetish for the Westerners to ogle and learn that their Ooh. lives aren't so bad, i.e. the white spectator slash savior cornerstone that continually comes up in movies, <laughs> most recently with News of the World with Tom Hanks. <laughs> Fuck you, Hollywood, for this. By the way, yeah, I just saw that movie, <laughs> and <laughs> I was really disappointed in it. Oh. But they paddle off into the sunset as we roll credits. 
so John lived because we don't see him die. He's like alive after he gets vomited up. And they didn't make a sequel. Well, I get, they did make a sequel, but not. <laughs> they made like five sequels, and they're talking the about Boyd rebooting it, it too. By the I way, know. <laughs> I know. But goddamn this movie, dude! Goddamn this movie! But I do, I do want to give special props to the crew member named Gloria Ticino this week, right? She was Eric Stoltz's assistant on this flick. Not sure what she did, given that Eric spends ninety percent of this movie laying down in a coma. But I guess the producers needed to pay this woman to support all the hard work that Eric did in this movie in his very challenging and intense role of being a comatose motherfucker. Don't know about this, but I got I got to bring it up. Gloria Ticino, thank you for your hard work in the film industry. You are a fucking treasure. Anyway, so Paul. Give me, give me your last thoughts. Like, what, wh- why would you defend this movie in today's day and age? Tell oh, man, me, it's, why it's the, the flaming classic, snake, <laughs> the flaming snake, John Voight. Just like, I think it's a fun, like, classic B movie kind of thing. It, it it elevates itself above the the shitty like sci fi movie kind of things that you see nowadays with like shark versus crocodile or whatever the fuck <laughs> you know it's it's a good monster movie and it's stupid and fun and yeah i i can't take my eyes off sean voight when he's on the screen it's just like a lot of fun yeah. to watch in this movie and you know you know i will say i want to give a a quick movie recommendation for everybody out there if you have not seen it already see the host from 2006 by john bong bong joon ho right the guy that won the oscar (laughs) for parasite host the host is a fucking brilliant movie man it's the best monster movie since jaws it's a fucking fantastic movie (laughs) check that shit out it's a great like that's how you make a monster movie oh man oh dude it's a classic man you gotta watch that shit yeah i think it's still on hulu actually you should check that out (laughs) but anyway so paul talk to me about next week man uh what what are you thinking what's been screaming at you for a while that you want to get to Besides the snake and anaconda, what's you know something you? just came out recently, Sonic the Hedgehog. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, I've been I've been meaning to get around to that just because fucking Jim Carrey looks like he fucked that movie up. Even <laughs> watching the trailer, but <laughs> I don't know, man. I don't know. I don't know if I could sit through a fucking Sonic the Hedgehog movie. Well, it's on Amazon Prime, so I don't have to steal it. So that's something. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. That's true. You don't have to steal it. Uh, I don't know. But, Is there anything you've been uh, wanting to? Uh... I mean, I still, I still want to go for a fucking Ernest movie, man. I, oh, I want to, I want to know if I remembered something as good that's unbelievably horrible or whether I feel the same way about it. Cause I saw those movies when I was like eight, nine years old when I was an idiot and I didn't know anything. But, you know, I, I wonder if they hold up. I wonder if there's anything in it or if it's just like nonstop trash that I'm going to get infuriated by. Ernest goes to jail. <laughs> or, Maybe or Ernest goes to jail. That's or, that's or it's, it's or either Ernest, Ernest goes, goes to, to jail. No, I don't. I, no, fuck that. I, I don't want to get into that. <laughs> it's either it's either Ernest goes to jail or uh, Ernest Ernest in the army or whatever the fuck like Ernest uh, in the army. I don't recall that one. I seem to remember Ernest goes to jail and Ernest scared stupid. But all right, Ernest in the army, you could do that. 
Do you want to do Scared Stupid or do you want to do... <laughs> do you want to do uh, Ernest, uh, Ernest Scared Stupid or Ernest Goes to Jail? Oh, Ernest, uh... There's also Ernest Goes to School and yeah. Ernest Goes to Splash Mountain. Ernest Saves Christmas. <laughs> there's, a, <laughs> there's a whole... What's the best rated of all of them? I mean, Ernest Goes to Jail has a 5.4 out of 10, and it actually has a yellow rating, not a red rating from uh, Metacritic. Ernest Goes to Camp gets a (laughs) (laughs) 5.6. Ernest Scared Stupid has a 5.8, which is the highest rating that I've seen thus far, but it has a 38 on Metacritic. Ernest Goes to School has a 4.8. Ernest in the Army has a 4.7. And Three Ninjas High Noon at Mega Mountain has a 2.9 out of 10. (laughs) (laughs) It's got Hulk Hogan, dude. How do I not know about this movie? Which one is this? It's called Three Ninjas High Noon at Mega Mountain. Oh, Jesus. Wait, this is an Ernest movie? Yeah. er, Well, I mean, I don't know if it's an Ernest movie. It's a a Jim Varney movie, though. So you want to go for the worst or do you want to go for Ernest Scared Stupid is the highest rated 5.8 out of 10 but a 38 on Metacritic. Uh, I don't know, man. Is there any any one of them that you remember being entertaining? You know what? To be honest with you, man, I don't actually remember any of the movies at all. Like I remember that there's one moment in one of them where Ernest gets his tongue stuck to a griddle and he's like screaming out for like the spatula and this he's like the spatula and this kid's like, Oh, what are you talking about? He's like the spatula and he's like pointing at it and the kid finally figures it out and he's like, Oh funny. In my country we call them spatula and I don't know if that was the one when he goes to Africa or what, but it's terrible. That's the only moment of any Ernest movie that all I right. remember. Let's watch all Ernest out. Scared Stupid. I mean, Ernest people seem to agree that this is the best one. And it's <laughs> the only one that I really remember with any kind of <laughs> anything. So, yeah, let, let, let's watch this one here. Okay, Ernest Scared Stupid. We'll go with that one. Thank you, listeners, once again for listening to the Movie Dicks podcast. It's great having you here. I'm glad that you guys keep listening to us. We kind of keep growing every week, which is kind of exciting. Every week we have like 50 to 60 more listens, which is kind of entertaining. Yeah, that's right. But I that hope puts that us up to somewhere. 50 or 60 listens total. <laughs> <laughs> Follow, rate, subscribe, all that shit, and recommend us to your friends. We have no money. All of this is coming out of our pockets. All we do is uh, fucking just hope that somebody likes it and hope the hashtags catch on. Yeah. I mean, if, you, if you're if you not careful, we'll have to start doing, like, product placements, you know, like Michael Bay style or something I like mean, that. I tagged Uncle Nearest in the Valentine's Day episode because Chris <laughs> was so adamant about Uncle Nearest, but they haven't reached out to me. So. Uh, well, for this week's sponsor, we've got Craggy Range. Sauvignon Craggy Range? From... Uh, Marlboro, New Zealand. Oh, yeah. It's good shit. That's great. That's great. I love the Marlboro Valley, man. That shit is dope. Dude, you go there and you don't have to pay for wine tastings. I know. You remember that? It's crazy. We got pretty trashed. And I almost (laughs) fucking killed us by pulling out because I didn't, my brain didn't register that people drive on the other side of the road there when I pulled (laughs) out in front of traffic. So, yeah, I almost killed us, but it's fine. 
that was only that the fifth or sixth time that i did that on that trip Dude, remember that that cop pulled us over and he said that like it was perfectly okay for us to have an open container in the car, but as long as the driver wasn't drinking it and we took like oh, turns yeah. drinking. Well, I mean, you <laughs> wanted to drive the whole time. Nobody was like, oh yeah, I want to give up drinking so I can drive. Like, <laughs> <laughs> no, that was awesome. Yeah, open that container. Was awesome, yeah. I love New that. Just and that cop, that cop randomly was going to Albuquerque in order to go to the balloon fiesta yeah. that same year, which was That's crazy. Weird. Yeah. <laughs> Still got a ticket. I think I only got two tickets from that trip. That wasn't too bad. How much? How much was that ticket? Ah, oh, Jesus! It was like 150 bucks or something like that. <laughs> it wasn't cheap enough that it mattered. Anyway, so thank you guys once again for joining us. This is the Movie Dicks Podcast. I am Gabriel Chavez, and I am Paul Schindel. Thank you. <laughs> Have a great night. <laughs> Thanks for that, Paul. <laughs> <laughs>